Think of that powerful memory. Make it the happiest you can remember. It feels like no time has passed and loads of time has passed. Well, I think this is the perfect time to sit down with everyone and reminisce. The thing that scared me the most was the implication that the most meaningful thing in our life was done. And there's something so joyous about seeing everyone. And be like, there wasn't though. We're family and <laughs> we will always be part of each other's life. Welcome to the Coffee Clatch Crew podcast. Today we bring magic back into our lives with the Harry Potter reunion special. This is just going to be a quick, fun conversation because there's been some Harry Potter returning to our lives recently. We haven't had the opportunity to talk about it. So we wanted to come back here, just hash it out a little bit, what we thought. We did talk over on Patreon recently about the other surprise we got, Harry Potter trivia, which aired on CBS and Cartoon Network. This was, of course, Hogwarts Tournament of Houses. We're celebrating 20 years of Harry Potter with a little friendly competition. I'm Helen Mirren, and this is Harry Potter Hogwarts Tournament of Houses! Hosted by the infamous Dame Helen Mirren. She was awesome. And featuring contestants who are placed into each of the four houses. Gryffindor, Slytherin, Ravenclaw, and Hufflepuff. And they had a surprise actor there. I don't want to ruin it, which was awesome. Yeah, they had a few surprise guests, most of them pre-recorded, but somebody actually live in person. And the questions ran the gamut. Oh, yeah. As far as how related they were to Harry Potter books and movie stuff, how challenging or interesting they were. But I just thought it was a great time, especially because we haven't had anything Harry Potter in so long. It's just nice to be in that world again. Yeah, it was really fun, but I knew that this reunion special would be a lot closer to maybe something we were looking for. Behind the scenes information, seeing all the actors get together. We're going to discuss some of that was perhaps really impeded by COVID. Mm, How much they were able to be in one space, and you can really feel that when it comes to a reunion. But let's just start off by saying it aired January 1st on HBO Max. It was called Harry Potter 20th Anniversary Return to Hogwarts. This is because the special celebrated the 20th anniversary of the release of the first movie, The Philosopher's Stone. Can't believe it's been 20 years. People talked about they thought it was actually going to keep more to the first movie as far as which actors would be there, the things they would discuss, and that would leave them the opportunity to do more specials in the future. But I think they were thinking, how often will we really be able to do this? Not often. Let's tell a comprehensive story by going through the years with each of the directors and how things were different. I am a little bummed if that means maybe we don't ever get this again. I don't think so. Maybe 30th anniversary. What I feel better about is I didn't know very much information at all leading up to this. Since then, I've done a little bit of searching, not a ton, but I found out there is a huge amount, probably hours and hours worth, that was filmed and cut. Oh, sure. I can imagine. And the big thing this includes in the trailers, you see a lot of things that weren't present in the reunion special. Mm -hmm. Namely, there's a lot of gathering and celebrating in the Great Hall. And we saw clips of that in the beginning of the the aired version. But then you never go back to it. Yeah, it was on all of the poster, promotional things, the trailer. I think that's sort of what I was looking for and maybe a lot of people watching to have a lot of the actors gathered in one place, seeing each other. Yeah, 
hug hello, cheers with their champagne. Again, a lot of things that were probably restricted due to COVID, but they filmed that. So that makes me a little confused. If they were able to somehow get it done, why it didn't wind up here? Maybe they thought it was boring. Sometimes when there's too many people in a group, maybe it was a lot of just announcing things from a podium and they thought it was dry. No, that's bizarre because we don't ever really have many people in one place together. That's one of the big things I felt this was lacking. You have one actor sitting down with one other actor. Yeah. I'm in the same boat as you, but I was thinking going into this that it would be very similar to last year's Friends reunion, Mm. considering it was on HBO as well. Um, That was really well done. They had a host and then they had the crew together with a crowd and a lot of people that worked there and a lot of the extra actors were in the crowd Mm -hmm. and they would go to them every so often. Mixed in with them back on set, talking about memories, then split up a little bit. But it always went back to them, all of them on the couch outside with the host. Yeah. So that's the other thing. The one thing, having a central location where there can be multiple people gathering, reuniting. I mean, you're really missing the reuniting factor. Uh, So that great hall would fill that. And then the other thing is, yes, a host who can keep it kind of coming back to the same point. Here they're forced to go by title pages, chapters almost, that are coming up on screen by movie. And having one sequence end and then trying to edit it so it flows into the next what somebody else is talking about then you'll see this clip from the past that's a lot of work on an editor (laughs) and I do have to say whoever did this did a wonderful job absolutely did the absolute best I could expect from that but emotionally you just I think feel something is missing I'm, I'm waiting so long to see all these people back together and I don't quite get that yeah it was missing some of that oomph for sure that friends had in abundance. Yeah, as well as like you were saying, maybe a return to certain sets if they still exist or seeing props. The moment where Daniel Radcliffe and Helena Bonham Carter are in Gringotts yeah. and they go and they find the goblins there. Stuff like that. I thought, this is great. Let me see some more of that. Maybe more behind the scenes stuff that we didn't know. I almost feel like there was very little in this whole thing that people don't already know because so much has come out over the years. Oh, Stories, sure. behind the scenes stuff. We'll talk about some of the surprises we got that are wonderful. I enjoyed when the directors were talking because they were given, it seemed like, an outline of what to do, Mm. where to go with the story. And they put down very good conversations about where they were in their headspace during making the films, you know, why, why they were hired, you know, why the second director was hired and what his goal was with the third movie, Mm. things like that. I enjoyed I loved that. It made total sense, everything we've talked about as we've reviewed the movies. By the way, (laughs) we have done the Harry Potter movies. That maybe seems like an element that's missing from CKC coverage. But as you know, over here on these channels, we don't really cover movies much. On Patreon, we have been slowly going through. We've covered the first six movies in the Harry Potter series. And we will be doing seven, The Deathly Hallows Part 1, very soon, within the next few months. So if you're looking for coverage on that, you can definitely check out movie reviews on Patreon. Something we talk about a lot are the directors and how the tone, the artistic view, the portrayals have changed over time. I think we definitely felt the same that Chris Columbus started this all. You know, perhaps the tone is younger as supposed to be at that time. It sticks a lot truer to the books but the monumental feat he had in trying to organize such young child actors, he almost became like a father figure on set for them. Oh, I love those behind the scenes information where they were saying, and I never really thought about it. 
all those kids in a room, all that downtime, they start giggling and having fun, playing games, playing slaps, what they went through to find Harry. It was amazing. They can't even get through one complete take before somebody else is goofing off. So how hard to really get everything you need. But then you move into movie three done by Alfonso Cuaron. And basically everything we've said about how it starts to change there and evolve, definitely becoming darker for the fourth movie with Mike Newell. And Newell is perhaps the one I didn't know a lot about. This sheds so much light on things Mm -hmm. as to why the Goblet of Fire is the way it is. You know, you see him hyping himself and everybody else up before each take coming in and just like yelling, acting crazy. So loud and large man. Full of energy. Uh, Goblet of Fire definitely holds, just like the third one, they're both different from the rest in ways that I like and appreciate, but it's clearly evident. And then, of course, you have David Yates, who was on for movie five through eight, so a little more consistency in tone from that point out. And they talked about how it got darker. What about Newell when they broke down how he cracked a rib? Don't spoil my surprising moments. That was one of them. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, so we had directors, of course, and then we had cast. Now... Obviously, you had the big three, the trio, Emma Watson, Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grint. This was perhaps the area I was most excited to see and most... I think everybody. (laughs) uh, I loved it. I loved what they were saying. But very often when the three were sitting down, seemingly in a room together, something felt off to me. Timing-wise, wasn't quite hitting the right beats. And I'm thinking to myself, are they a little awkward now together? They keep talking about how much... They miss each other. It feels like no time has passed. They're so glad to be back together, especially Rupert Grint. And I, I almost started saying, is, is he shy or socially awkward or depressed even in real life? Something feels wrong there. Well, I found out later, almost that entire time, none of those three were in the same room together. That's insane. And the big missing piece, Rupert Grint almost never was. They got a little bit of time where Emma Watson and him were together. We saw that towards the end. But for the rest, he was separated. And Daniel Radcliffe was by majority in England to be able to film, you know, some of the interviews with Columbus and Gary Oldman. So this was all editing magic that made it seem like they were there. I just think, again, you can really feel it when people aren't physically together. Of course. I mean, that must have been very difficult to pull off. They did well. Talk about great editing. Again, I have to watch it now, see if the, if I, I can see the stitching. But that also means that they created that set in two locations or three locations? I think two. Wow. And yeah, I would love to know who this editor is. Most of this information, by the way, isn't up anywhere official. This isn't HBO or Warner Brothers or anyone talking about it. It's commentary coming from articles online, other right. podcasts. Hmm. Do you recall when they first go in, they're like looking around? Wow, it's so nice to be here again. They're lying. They're not really there. It's a tiny set to emulate it. That sucks. Yeah. I envisioned them all going back, you know, possibly just to Disney World or something where it's all set up. That moment in the Great Hall, the half a second we get that was very long, was all real. And again, that that feeling of them coming in, we're we're back, sitting down together, that was really missing for me. I loved pretty much everything else about it. And even with the trio... Like we're saying, while you could feel it, it was still nice once they got into the flow of a conversation and were talking together. I really still feel this energy between Emma Watson and Daniel Radcliffe. There's points where they both start talking faster and faster, getting animated together. Yeah. 
I know, of course, there was some very emotional moments with Emma and Rupert where they both started crying. Oh, that was great. And, well, I, I won't say what he says. It was cute. Mm. I'm so glad they did this. I think it was worth it. Of course, we wish that they were all together. I, you know, I would have liked it to be three hours long, but that's just me. But maybe they'll come out with the extras uh, later we, on. Hey, we were talking about that. If there is, in fact, so much more, so many hours of additional interviews, people we're going to get to in a second that were conspicuously absent, mm. some of whom were filmed. Maybe they intended or do intend now to release some kind of... Extras. Or yeah, additional thing with more of that on it. Let's first talk briefly about who was there, and then we'll talk about who wasn't. So in addition to the trio, we had... Tom Felton, Draco. He's awesome. He was mainly sitting down in the beginning with Matthew Lewis, who plays Neville, and Alfred Enoch, who plays Dean Thomas. Which makes sense. But that group of three got very little. Very, very little. It was like little clips in the middle. I was surprised, Neville being such a prominent piece, especially towards the end and since the series concluded, that we got so little with him. But, of course, Tom Felton had other scenes with other actors, so we were able to hear from him a lot. That brings up my first surprise on the list, which is that Emma had a crush on Tom. Yeah. <laughs> when they were on set as children. No real surprise, because he's a couple years older. Yeah. He was a very good-looking kid. Yeah. When they were doing filming. And it seems like he was actually a really nice kid, too. He wasn't the character he was playing. Right. So there's also that factor of everybody watching these movies sees him that way, but you know he's actually this really cool guy. And then they start talking about how it never culminated in any kind of romantic relationship, but they have a deep connection, respect for each other, a love for each other. I get the feeling, though, there's still something more there. Oh, I don't know. The way they're talking about it. Maybe. It'd be cute. It would be cute. But... Also speaking about romantic interests, we get a bunch of clips <laughs> of <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe with Helena Bonham Carter. By the way, she just seems like a fantastic person. She seems awesome. Her I would energy, love to hang out with her. I love her putting the teeth in and talking with them in, <laughs> having cleaned them in years. Yeah. <laughs> I just, she's amazing. And she brings out this letter. It didn't seem like Daniel knew she was going to do this. No, I don't think he did. And I love that. The letter is one he wrote to her. I think somewhere around Order of the Phoenix. And he says, it was a pleasure being your co-star and co-star. Wow. <laughs> what, a, what a clever pun I made that when I was young. I mean, I'm honestly still kind you of pleased poetic. with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, in the sense that I always up, ended up holding your coffee. I do love you. Then what does it say? Oh, I can. We can share this. Now, I said, I do love you, and I just wish I'd been born 10 years earlier. I might oh, have been in with a chance. It's awesome. <laughs> Lots of love, and thanks for being cool. Isn't it nice? That's cute, and he was blushing. Those are the kind of moments that we wanted to see, that we really enjoy watching. And doesn't it make sense if Daniel Radcliffe in real life were to have a crush on any one of these actresses, it would be Helena Bonham Carter? Yeah, especially with her energy and how fun she was. It, I have a feeling she is really good at making people feel warm and, and part of the group. Mm -hmm. I love the little bit of background. They talk about her, and the director's talking about her as well, where, oh, and Jason Isaacs. Oh, we'll get to him in a minute. Yeah, where she kind of, the director just let her go. So a lot of it was ad-libbed mm. to the point where Jason sometimes was like, shut up, <laughs> I try to get my line out. It feels so real. What about where this is a moment I could see you and I having going and filming this series where allegedly you have magic 
Mm. And you want that to feel real at some point. Yeah. And she finally has this moment where she waves the wand and explosions quite literally happen on set. Oh, and it feels imagine? like you've created that yeah. magic. Everything with her was fantastic. As you said, we also got some really great clips with Jason Isaacs, who played Lucius Malfoy. One of the biggest surprises for me, it sounds like Tom Felton was a little scared of him. <laughs> and he said it was very hot and cold when he was himself. He's a very nice person. Yeah. But then would flip the switch to Lucius. Yeah, oh, yeah. And for instance, at one point, he had to bang his cane down. On his hand. Well... Didn't know that it was really going to hit, that it was going to be that hard, that... The teeth were that sharp. Right. And it went right into Tom Felton's hand, but he just kept rolling with the rest of the take and didn't tell him till after. <laughs> and then he was sort of like, it's fine. I'm okay. <laughs> um, and Isaac's doing some ad lib himself where he kicks Dobby. Oh, yeah. They're like, cut, do it again, uh, clean up under him. They thought he slipped. Yeah. And he's like, no, that was part of the... I yeah, figured I did, it'd be good to kick him. Did it on purpose. I, that was me kicking Dobby because nothing's on set. So it just looks like he's falling or jerking something. his foot up in yeah. the air. Um, he seemed to really encompass the character when he's acting. And I felt that way about a couple of them. They almost get into the role. I always imagined Ray Fiennes would be one of them who plays Voldemort. But that's, I think, reaffirmed in the interviews with him here. Again, almost like some of the co-stars were a little scared of him. Because once he flipped the switch, he was Voldemort. Oh, and his... And we talk about this in our Patreon podcast. The way he holds the wand mm. is purposefully. The way he moves. He talks about how he talks kind of like a snake a little bit. That his speech is a breath upon a breath. Yes. That's what he was going for to make it like that. He really, from the start, pictured fully what Voldemort would be. Mm. And put himself there. Whereas I was unsurprised to know, to have this confirmed, especially for the child actors, but for a lot of others as well, where you say, really just seem to fit that character. Almost as though Rupert really is like Ron in real life. Yeah, they and said that too. Dan is really like Harry. Emma's really like Hermione. Basically, they were, when they were picking them as children, it was because, not just because they could act well, they could. That promise was there, but they're almost too young to even be at that point. Yeah. They just were that character. I don't think Ray Fiennes is like this in real life. I don't think Jason no. Isaacs is. It's all the more impressive they were able to make that so believable. Somebody who always scares me a little in real life in these interviews did nothing to change that is Gary Oldman. Oh, really? I have the highest respect for him. I think he's one of the greatest actors of our time. But anytime somebody sits down with him, I'm like, I'd be a little scared to have a conversation with him in real life. But he seemed pretty happy in the little bit that we got with him. He was very warm with Daniel Radcliffe. You get yeah. the idea they have a really good relationship. Well, yeah, they said it almost felt like he was his uncle. Mm. And he took him under his wing. And I love the fact that the kids, I say the kids, um, the big three were saying when they were in scenes with Gary, Mark Williams, they were like, this is real acting. Look at them. <laughs> Guys, this is what we got to get to, okay? Yeah. Take this seriously. Yeah, mentors, and that they treated them a little more, the people who came in in the later movies, weren't there all along, more like real actors, and challenged them in a way that made them grow. I, there's a one part where Gary Oldman smiles to Daniel Radcliffe, and I'm going, I don't think I've ever seen him smile before in <laughs> real life. I think it's just because he's so intelligent, composed, mm. austere, maybe? Yeah, I think that's perfect. It's a little in intimidating? Absolutely. 
combined you're like, with I'm the, nothing like yeah, with good. the talent, and they said they all felt that almost. Thank goodness when these movies started, they were too young to realize yeah the level of acting cred they were up against. They dispersed some clips of Robbie Coltrane throughout, who plays Hagrid. Oh yeah, that was sweet, and he was he was very sweet. You do get the impression again he was a bit of a father figure to them on set and seemed yeah. emotional himself that perhaps he got more time with them than his own children growing up at that point. That's what he said, yeah. And that's got to be really tough. And you also have some short interviews with the Weasleys. So we had the father, Mark Williams, the twins, Fred and George, played by James and Oliver Phelps, and Bonnie Wright, who plays Ginny. There were scenes where they were back at the burrow. Oh, that was so cool. But too short. Too short. Not and, enough. You know, I don't mean to tread into this territory. We'll get there in a minute. But one particular absence was Julie Walters, who plays yeah. Molly, the mom. I don't know. I'm not sure what that was about. But Mark Williams, again, I, it feels like he kind of just is a little bit of Arthur Weasley. It does. It really and I does. love it. Me too. I want to meet him in real life. I was surprised Ginny didn't get a little more screen time. And we say this in our podcast. The Weasley family house is like the warmest home. I would so love to nice live there. To be back at the burrow for yeah. a few minutes. Uh, also, very weirdly little time with Ivana Lynch, who plays Luna Lovegood. We did hear a piece of information I didn't know before that she was a pen pal with J.K. Rowling. Yeah, that's so cool. At the beginning of all that. And it sounds like they really wrote back and forth quite a bit. So let's just talk about it. Some of the weirdly missing actors. For me, number one, Michael Gambon, who plays Dumbledore. How do you have a Harry Potter reunion that with was no Dumbledore? I know. Maggie Smith, who plays McGonagall. McGonagall. I wanted yep. to see her, but I know she's working a lot lately. So maybe she just couldn't make it. And I don't mean to make any assumptions. Both of them are slightly older in age, especially Maggie Smith. Perhaps there was concerns about COVID and gatherings. Oh, maybe. Uh, Amelda Staunton, who plays Umbridge. But again, I have seen that there were some takes where she was filmed. Huh. And they just weren't used. And that's really weird. Emma Thompson, who plays Sybil, who we see in a lot of interviews and things of this nature. So I was a little surprised she wouldn't have been there. And David Thewlis, who played Lupin. But perhaps the biggest one, J.K. Rowling herself. I kind of... No, there was a little clip, but it was actually an old 2019. Yeah. Previously recorded that they just... Again, this editor. He must have been so busy. All the cred to you. Um, I mean, we have an idea why she wasn't there, but we won't go into that. I do. I still, though, find it quite shocking. Yeah, and sad. Any other absences that you were looking for? I mean, of course, there's tons and tons, but for me, those were kind of the big faces that I thought would be there that weren't. Buckbeak wasn't there. I wanted to see how he's doing. Yeah, but we did get to see <laughs> Fox again, and that, yeah, that was infamous good. story that I've heard before that supposedly Richard Harris mistaked this for a real bird. I tend to think that's not true, that he was messing with them as much as they so. were messing with him. I think so. And they just interpreted because of how he was, that he was being serious. <laughs> but it's a funny story now. None of the Dursleys were there. Mm. I mean, okay, maybe that's not really a surprise. but <laughs> And that brings me to the point, really touching, in addition to these behind-the-scenes footage, interviews, they also paid tribute to some of the cast members who they have lost. Now, yeah. there's been many, and all their names came up later, but they had some particular words, including Richard Griffiths, who, speaking of the Dursleys, played Vernon, the father. Uh, yeah. Helen McCrory, who we have mentioned on 
previous cast played Narcissa Malfoy, Draco's mother. She was pretty young. Young. Yeah, and this was fairly recently after a long battle with cancer. Of course, Alan Rickman and everybody spoke about just what a genius he was. Amazing actor. And Richard Harris. Just stars. I mean, absolute knockout actors. Best of the best. There were also some stories I guess we didn't get. Again, cut. So one of them talks about how they speak on the production mishaps, such as using real candles originally in the Great Hall. Yeah. And I think this was from when they were all there, one of those scenes. And they talk about how they fell and almost lit stuff on fire and they had to change. Now, we've heard that before, but... Especially the first movie. So our first podcast on Harry Potter, there are so many things behind the scenes stories that we talk about. And that's one of them. Mm-hmm. The real food that would get disgusting. So there were funny things like that. And then there were heartwarming things. Uh, Back to the trio, they talked about growing up on set. There was a lot of that. They went back to early casting of them, auditions. Again, things... Interviews when young. Things we've discussed, like how it almost didn't happen with Daniel Radcliffe because his family didn't want him to be in acting. Uh, How Hermione considered leaving the franchise after The Goblet of Fire. Yeah. And Rupert Grint said he kind of had thought about that as well. But after so many years that he commented, he almost responded more readily to Ron than his own name. After a while, yeah. Because he'd been in this position of playing Ron for so many years. Yeah, he said towards the end, we had, I had to ask myself, who am I? Yeah. Am I Ron or am I Rupert? Yeah. And think about not only playing this for so years, but starting at such a formative age, nine. Oh, yeah. Where you don't even have a sense of your own identity yet, really. So there were really touching moments where they spoke about that, becoming really close together. How even if they don't see each other as much, they will always have that bond and friendship. And why it made it so weird when Emma and Rupert had to do their first kiss on set. Oh, yeah. And it sounds like it legitimately was awkward. They really struggled to get through it. Extremely. (laughs) And they stressed about it for a long time. And Rupert even has to throw in later when he says, I love you, but just as a friend, like, to make it clear. So cute. Whereas they don't talk about filming the Harry Hermione kissing scene that they had to use for when the Horcrux Harry and Hermione come out and Ron's picturing them. We've read before that they appear naked in that scene, but they're not. They're both wearing jeans while they're filming it. Emma Watson's wearing a bra, and then they sort of change it later mm-hmm. so that it looks like they're naked, but... They don't talk about any of that. What they do talk about is the dance scene. Oh, yeah. That gets brought up a lot in the Deathly Hallows and how they actually loved it. Even though that's a movie original, not from the books, they thought it was really good creatively, a smart decision for them. To kind of round this out, Tom Ashheim, who's president of Warner Brothers, the kids and young adults section, released a statement saying, this retrospective is a tribute to everyone whose lives were touched by this cultural phenomenon. From the talented cast and crew who poured their hearts and soul into this extraordinary film franchise, to the passionate fans who continue to keep the wizarding world spirit alive 20 years later. And I think that's what it did. Absolutely. It was a chance to return to this, as we mentioned, not a ton of new information, maybe some things we were missing, but it was really great to be back with all of them, to see the crew together, to feel like we're at Hogwarts again. I enjoyed watching it. I was excited when I heard it was coming. I think I tweeted about it. I did a quote. I don't think anyone picked up on it. It's a small quote on Twitter. I wrote, brilliant. Time will not slow down when something unpleasant lies ahead. 
but it does when you are waiting for something exciting. <laughs> of course, this troll phenomenon is still alive and well for us. Clearly, we're continuing to cover the movies. As we go along with Patreon, we talked about just this Christmas. We both bought each other multiple Harry Potter-related gifts, oh and we said, goodness. are you over this yet? And I'm going, no, never. never. I still love everything Harry Potter. And we'll discuss that and all the fun of it in our coffee break this month. And the timing is perfect because... We have a new Fantastic Beasts coming out soon. And I think we're going to have to cover that one, too. The Secrets of Dumbledore. You think... That was sarcastic. We're always going to cover this. So, again, not just the original series, but if you want to hear that coverage, we have the first two, and we'll be doing the third once it comes out. Just head over to coffeeclatchcrew.com and check out our Patreon page. And that's not it for us. A few more surprise podcasts on this channel, and we will be covering Westworld... And the new Game of Thrones coming out. Yeah, keep a lookout for the next House of the Dragon prepper episode coming at you sometime soon. Till next time, this round's on me. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at CKC Podcast. And if you'd like to support Jason and Christina and would love even more content, including bonus casts and movie reviews, join our Patreon at patreon.com slash CKC podcast. This round is on me.